everybody, Evan Lazar, Alex Bart, Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by the CLNS Media Podcast Network. Drop your questions in the chat as we wait for some people to roll in here. We're going to answer all your questions eventually. Alex, I wanted to start here. I'm not going to go on a rant about Roger Goodell, even though I really want to right now. <laughs> I wanted to start with the quarterback carousel, though. The latest, Derek Carr. Maybe on the shot t- trading block, maybe on the market, maybe not on the market. But what are your feelings? I think we're both in agreement that the starting price of two first round picks is absolutely insane. But just in terms of him as a player, where are you on Derek Carr? Yeah, I I think that I'll I'll, I'll just start first with the overarching. You know, I think you're going to see a lot of teams put borderline quarterbacks on the market right now. I think you'll see it with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think you might see it with Kirk Cousins. Um, those sorts of situations just because teams saw the return for Matthew Stafford and they're thinking, well, I want some of that, right? It's like what's going on right. in the stock market. It gets hot, so everybody wants in on it. I, I don't know how – like not every quarterback that gets put on the trade block in the next month is going to be traded. And I think Carr is the first of a handful. So uh, I'm not going to like overhype that. As for Carr as a player, I mean he's a nice piece. You know, for, I – I'm not overly excited. You're right. The two first round picks is too much where I look at this in relation to the Patriots. And we talked about this on Tuesday is for them to get a guy like a Jimmy Garoppolo, there has to be a trickle down effect, right? So maybe San Francisco likes car and then they get car and then Jimmy Garoppolo becomes available, something like that. But I'm not, you know, going to do jumping jacks and say the off season is saved because the Raiders are thinking about trading car. Right. And I think the biggest thing, with these asking prices is that it's nice to ask for two first round picks. You're not going to actually get two first round picks for Derek Carr. And I, right. I, I have an old PlayStation. I can ask you for $500 for it. doesn't mean it's going to happen. Right. And the other unless you want to, I mean, the offer stands, but no, no, I'm all okay. good. But then the other thing is, is that you have the trickle down effect that you mentioned of the Raiders are not out there actively seeking a trade for Derek Carr unless they can upgrade at the quarterback position themselves. So maybe they feel, and I think the report that was out there was that they were going to try to take whatever they get from Derek Carr and package their own picks together to make a move for Deshaun Watson. But if they don't feel like that other shoe is going to drop, then you don't just trade Derek Carr right. with nothing left, you know, with, to leave yourself empty-handed and they well, but, but actually it's interesting you said that because you're a big marcus mariota guy i am a big and he obviously Mariotta. had his moments you don't think they'd trade Derek carr for you know if you can get two first for Derek carr if you think mariota is only a marginal decrease and those two first round picks will help you more than that gap between Carr and mariota like you don't think they might look to just do that i wouldn't but you being as high as mariota on as high on mariota as you are I'm a little interested that you're not going to kind of flirt with that possibility as well. I, I would if you if a team comes in and offers the Raiders a godfather offer for Derek Carr and they do offer multiple firsts or multiple high picks, then maybe you could talk yourself into Mariota replacing Carr. And like you said, it's not that big of a drop off from one to the other. And, and you can have that conversation. But I think with Mariota in car me to me it looks a lot like what Mariota dealt with with Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee a few years ago where Mariota because of his pedigree because of his history with the club was the starter to start the season it didn't go well they make the switch to Ryan Tannehill and the following offseason is when they decide to move on from Marcus Mariota so I actually feel like the Raiders and and the Patriots you know as a domino effect are maybe one year too early on this Derek Carr conversation maybe we're having this conversation next offseason when Marcus Mariota unseats Derek Carr as the starter in the if if not when if okay fair enough if (laughs) Marcus Mariota unseats Derek Carr but the one thing I wanted to mention about Derek Carr is I personally feel like Derek Carr has a chance to be a team's Alex Smith and what I mean by that is he can come in and he can be a serviceable placeholder, somebody that you can win 10, 11 games with, you surround him with the right guys, and then develop guys around him. And then, like the Chiefs did with Alex Smith, when you can get that Patrick Mahomes-level quarterback, that's when you move on. And I feel like Derek Carr could be that 
for the Pats. He's not the long-term answer. He's not a Super Bowl-bound quarterback. You're not automatically a Super Bowl favorite by trading for Derek Carr, but you're a lot better off than you are now, and you can bring Derek Carr in, and then you don't feel as desperate to make that big splash move, whether it's in the draft or in a trade or free agency, at that quarterback position because you do have somebody that is at least – starting caliber you know this was the guy that was a top 15 quarterback in the league last year it's not he's no slouch and he's not jimmy garoppolo who's always hurt either you know he's a pretty consistent guy that's out there every single week i think he's only missed two regular season starts i know he missed that playoff start in the one year they did make the postseason, but he's only missed two regular season starts since he became a, a Ra- the Raiders starting quarterback. So he is, to me, a more durable Jimmy Garoppolo that's on a similar sort of uh, path in terms of the, what they bring to the table as quarterbacks. And he could be here for an extended period of time until the Patriots want to make that big move, whether it's a move up in the draft or sign a free agent quarterback or trade for a big money quarterback. And, and I would take Derek Carr over a lot of other options in the field that, that we're going to be faced with and that we're going to throw out there, like Derek Carr versus Cam. I'm taking Derek Carr. Derek Carr versus Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm taking Derek Carr. Derek Carr over Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm taking Derek Carr all day, every day. So that's where I feel a little bit with Derek Carr where we're at. Um, and it's going to be interesting, though, because the dominoes need to fall. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and again, ask your questions in the chat and we'll start answering a bunch of them here in a second. I wanted to talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick too, who said, I can't be as picky as Matthew Stafford. I would definitely welcome a move to the Patriots. If that's what's in the, in the cards for me, where, where do you stand on now? Cause I I'm a little bit lukewarm on Fitzpatrick. I think a lot of people uh, overrate him just a little bit because he's a fun guy to root for. It's yeah. mania. It's Fitz magic. But really when you look at his career, he's only had one winning season as a starting quarterback. Well, how many, we had this argument last week. How many seasons has he started more than eight games? Well, that tells you a lot though, right? That, the, that no team other than the Jets for a couple of years and I think Buffalo for a couple of years in 2011 and stuff like that, not a lot of teams have hitched their wagon and said Ryan Fitzpatrick is our starter. Right, but but I'm not signing Ryan Fitzpatrick to – like I think you're misinterpreting the point of Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm not signing Ryan Fitzpatrick to – say that's my guy let's go win football games with ryan fitzpatrick i'm signing ryan fitzpatrick because i know i'm gonna have a young quarterback coming in and i want a guy who's been around the league i want a guy who who has experience that he can share and he can work with this younger quarterback and he can teach him that's why i'm bringing in ryan fitzpatrick i'm not bringing him in to start 16 games i'm bringing him in to do exactly what the dolphins just did i'm bringing him in to start until the bye and then hand over the keys and and just have him teach the next guy so i'm not worried about and look, he is fun to watch. I won't discount that. After the year we just had, it would be nice to have a fun quarterback to watch. I'm not bringing in Ryan Fitzpatrick as like the guy, right? I'm not bringing in Ryan Fitzpatrick in the same context I'd bring in Derek Carr. I'm not bringing him in in the same context I think the Patriots would bring in Jimmy Garoppolo. I would use Jimmy Garoppolo in the way I just described Fitzpatrick. I don't think the Patriots would. I'm not like, that's a different tier. If they sign Ryan Fitzpatrick, that tells me they're taking a quarterback with the 15th pick or higher. That's what that tells me. They're not signing Ryan Fitzpatrick to go try to win with Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's not who Ryan Fitzpatrick is. That's not who he's ever been. That's not what that signing is. Right. That's a good point. And I I just, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people that I see, you know, in my, my question, you know, when I get questions, when I get replies about Ryan Fitzpatrick, think that the Patriots could go out there and win 11 games with Ryan. Fitzpatrick. Yeah. yeah that, that, that's not it. The, the question is, you know, when we talk about the bridge guy, who is going to be the best facilitator to put that rookie quarterback in the best place to succeed right away? I don't know that there's a better option than Ryan Fitzpatrick, maybe Alex Smith. I, I think that they're kind of one yeah. a and one B there. Uh, I'd go Fitzpatrick just a little bit ahead of Smith because if he gets hurt, Right. If, if, if Smith gets hurt, you have to rush the rookie quarterback in. Fitzpatrick's proven to be more durable. But I, is there a better teacher? Is there a better true bridge guy? Not a better quarterback, not a better chance of winning. But is there a better true bridge guy by the definition of the word than Ryan Fitzpatrick out there? Again, I think Smith maybe, but that's it. Right. So my my question is, is do we do you want to go in the route of a high end bridge guy like a Derek Carr who 
I don't know if you're going to say to Derek Carr, here's a five-year contract and we want you to be the quarterback for the next half decade here in New England, but you're definitely going to get better production out of a, a guy like a Derek Carr than you would out of a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick. So at least yeah. your, your short-term ceiling is a little bit higher in that regard. And I just feel like with Fitzpatrick, first of all, and some of them are good turn and not good turnovers, but they don't count. They don't hurt as much as, as others, but Ryan Fitzpatrick is equally a turnover machine. We talk about cam being a turnover machine at times last year. Ryan Fitzpatrick is right up there in terms of turnover machine. I think that that's a, a big question mark though, is what's the goal, right? Is the goal to just bridge the gap or is the goal to compete and bridge the gap? So what I would say is, I mean, what do you think Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to cost you? Just give me a number. What six to eight million bucks? Six to eight million dollars. Uh, Derek Carr, I believe, is around 22 million, 20 million, 22 million dollar cap hit. The whole, and we've talked about this. One of the biggest advantages of having a rookie quarterback is uh, a quarterback on a rookie deal is you get to go spend all this money elsewhere and help that guy, right? Having a 22 million dollar bridge guy doesn't that kind of negate that advantage, and also. I'm going to get chewed out for this take. I don't think I'm in the majority in this take. If you have a guy you really believe in, not like a Jared Stidham who's a project and maybe he'll make it, maybe he won't, not a Jamie Newman, not that guy. If you have a a, a first-round, top-30 quarterback pick that you really believe in, I don't know if I want a guy who's going to be more competitive as the bridge because we saw what that did. And I know it was Fitzpatrick, but he played above and beyond. He's not going to play like that in New England. Like, that guy succeeding can really be a mental pretzel for the rookie. I want a guy who is turning the ball over, who is going to kind of open the door for the next guy. I do. I, I don't, you know, if, if you draft. Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick, because he'll turn the ball over. And that's what I'm saying. Like, for sure. If I draft a quarter, because you mentioned the short-term outlook, and that's fair, but that's a really short-term outlook. If you're looking at six, eight, 10 games, whatever, before the bye. Right. That's a really short-term outlook. If I take a guy in the first round, I, I don't I don't care about those eight games. I really don't. My goal is to just like I am acknowledging the fact that unless you've really hit it, like Justin Herbert, and not every rookie quarterback needs to be Justin Herbert to be good. Some guys don't really hit that step until year two or year three. I am fine with the fact that there might be another seven or eight win season if I'm going with a rookie quarterback and Ryan Fitzpatrick is the bridge. I think that's something you need to be okay with. Because if you get too competitive, and look, I know it's a good problem to have two good quarterbacks, but if Carr comes out and he's slinging it, you know, what does that do mentally to the rookie who's waiting to come in? And then you you have to deal with the locker room schism. Right. Who I wants think that, this I guy and who wants that guy? I think the biggest thing is if you're if you're going for Derek Carr and you have Derek Carr on the team, then you're probably not drafting. And I, I, I hate you're right. You're probably not drafting a quarterback this year. You're probably not drafting the Mac Joneses of the world. You're probably Wait, you, going to go for the Patrick Mahomes of the world, right? Right. But you just mentioned, contract. you just mentioned using Carr as the bridge. That's what right. I'm talking right. about. So I'm looking at Carr as like a two to three year bridge, similar to All how right. we would have viewed Matthew Stafford if he had come here. Yeah. And then what you do, I think Carr can carry you until you can take that big swing because maybe maybe they do fall in love with somebody in this draft and all this is a moot point right but if they don't love anybody in this draft then i would rather go that way route than i think with cam newton last year we were on a road to nowhere they were in the middle of the league in terms of record they they didn't really other than jacoby myers and i guess damian harris too but that's separately from the passing game there wasn't a whole lot of development Nikhil Harry obviously did not develop any further the tight ends did not develop the rookie tight ends you to have that kind of step there I, I think is really important to the point where in two years maybe you have something in Devin Asiasi I, I'm I don't really think you will in Dalton Keene but maybe you do have something in Devin Asiasi and maybe you do draft somebody in the draft this year that ends up being good and, and then when you get to that point two to three years down the road, you fall in love with the quarterback, you go and you get them, and you, and then you can hit the ground running. I just look at the way that the Chiefs did it, and you have that Alex Smith guy that's in there for a couple of years. You find Travis Kelsey, you find Tyreek Hill, you develop those two guys, and then you have this amazing quarterback situation for the next guy. Let's get to some of these questions. Yeah, let's get to some questions here. Okay, so I really like this question. Would Bill trade for Jimmy G or wait for him to get cut? Because I do think that there's a leverage play here where if the Niners make a clear upgrade at the quarterback position, you they're 
going to be the ones that have zero leverage in a trade for Jimmy G because why is anybody going to help them get out of that contract and get out of that situation if they have Deshaun Watson on their roster for example well I mean it's kind of like what just happened with with um Goff right where you're probably going to have to move a pick to pick up that contract the other thing with Garoppolo oh the dead cap did end last year so the Niners can't cut him yes um I think Bill if thinks I think if Bill thinks he's going to get cut, he's going to wait for him to get cut. Again, that's all, you know, based on the concept that the Niners upgrade a quarterback, which I think is far from guaranteed. And I don't even know if going from like Car going from Garoppolo to Car is an upgrade. I don't think it's a major upgrade. Like I don't know. It's not an upgrade that's worth two first round picks. No. If they can do it for a second round pick, like then may like a second and a third, like then maybe you're having that conversation. But I still think Jimmy Garoppolo is the starting quarterback for the Niners next year. I don't think they're going to get that upgrade. And again, they're not just going to move on from him for the sake of moving on from him. They have a competitive roster. They don't want to go back to zero at quarterback. So I I I think that's the argument there. I saw another one too, uh, a little further back. So last week when we did the Q and A's. We talked about Brissett versus Garoppolo, and I was I I wanted Brissett, and I think you you agreed with me, right? On that, I, I would take Jimmy in that equation, but you're going to take three games of Jimmy Garoppolo over 16 games of Jacoby. Brissett. I don't know what Jacoby Brissett's going to look like over 16 games. I know that but he's, he's going to play 16 games, but I know that my ceiling is a lot higher with Jimmy G. You're going to go four and twelve, okay. just like the Niners. Did like look at the Niners last point. year. Finish. What, what's the question? Somebody asked um, uh, Brissett or Camp. It's a good question. So I, I'd probably go with Jacoby Brissett. I probably would. I I knew you were going to say that. I, I think the biggest thing with Jacoby Brissett that I have a tough time with is that, look, I did. I went back and watched that. Day. I think it was 2018 that he started games for Indianapolis, and he looked okay. But I think what you worry about with him is the accuracy within 20 yards. He actually throws a pretty good deep ball. But in terms of the accuracy within 20 yards of the line of scrimmage, I don't know if it's – that much better or that much more consistent than what we saw at a cam when cam was at least whole. Yeah. I think towards the end of the season it unraveled on cam. And I think that he would do better in a better situation with improved weapons and all that kind of stuff. So I would lean. It's it's tough because I think cam is, is really a road to nowhere. And I think that you're, you know, at this point that cam is probably not going to get back to that peak cam level ever again. Jacoby Brissett, maybe there's a little bit more uncertainty unknown of that upside. I, I, I would lean towards cam, but I think it's an interesting kind of segue into another question that I wanted to ask, uh, put present here, which was, any developmental QBs in the draft that we like this year, because I think this is a really interesting conversation of if the, if the goal or if the idea is to bring back cam in any capacity, are you pair who are you pairing him with from the draft is important. I think, because I think there is some element of cam and Mac Jones are just two completely different polar opposite sides of the spectrum. So where where are you going to go with that? And there is a developmental QB in the draft. I think you already know who I'm going to say, but I'm curious if you like any of these guys. Yeah, I just see a bunch of Jared Stidham's or worse at this point. I mean, if you want to move on from Jared Stidham and kind of try to roll the dice again with one of these guys, whether it's, I know you like Kellen Mond or, yeah. or, or Sam Ellinger or Felipe Franks or whoever, like fine. But I don't, we just went down this road with Jared Stidham where everybody twisted themselves into pretzels convincing themselves this fourth round pick who was super inconsistent in college was suddenly like was suddenly the next Tom Brady, who, by the way, had a very successful college career was not benched because he couldn't play well. He was benched because of issues with scholarships from time to time. So I I see that parallel drawn all the time. It doesn't exist. If we want to go down, like if you want to reset and go down this road again, fine, but just understand like this isn't just because the Patriots take a quarterback. doesn't mean the quarterback's the next guy. If they take Kellen Mond in the fourth round, it's no different than Jared Stidham. There's a guy with a couple of traits they like, the arm, the supposed football IQ, although that didn't really show up on take, uh, uh, sorry, on tape. Um, and, and you see what you have there. And maybe he hits, maybe he doesn't. He probably doesn't. So I don't, like, there are a couple of developmental guys I liked last year. I just, I don't see it in this group. I really don't. There's some guys next year I think will go in later rounds. This is not a great year to go for a developmental quarterback. You already have Jared Stidham on the roster. You really don't need to add another one. 
I, 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 I wouldn't I don't touch even it. Feel like they unless have you trade Stidham. I don't feel like they have Stidham on the roster because I know Stidham's not the guy. I know he's not the answer. I know he's not going to be a long-term solution. But, but none of these guys are either. Like, so, realistically, none of these guys are Kellen either. Let me get take, okay? Because okay. I, I, I'm not necessarily the highest on Kellen Mond either, but I have a feeling that they're going to be high on him in one Patriot place because he checks a lot of their sort of intangible type of, of boxes. And whether you care about that stuff or not, it is what it is. Three-year starter in the SEC, in a Power 5 conference, with a pro-style coach in Jimbo Fisher in a pro-style program, and he's got the game experience that you that they like. He's got He does take care of the ball relatively well, and he does have the physical traits that they can fall in love with, the arm strength, some mobility. He's not Lamar Jackson, but he can move around just a little bit. Now, like what you said, this high football IQ that they were talking a lot about at the Senior Bowl is something that I did not see on tape either. I saw a guy that stared down a lot of reads and would had a tough time getting through a full field progression. But at the same time, everybody says you get this guy on the whiteboard and he knows exactly what he's talking about. And to me, I actually think I would thought that the Jared Stidham pick was ridiculous at the time. And I still think it's ridiculous. I would yeah. be much higher on Kellen Mond coming in here as that developmental type of project quarterback than I was on Jared Stidham when they drafted him. But it's, it's the same idea. It's, it's the, the same. same idea. It's, it's the, the same, same idea. idea. And the definition of insanity is doing the same thing multiple times and expecting different results. And I, I know he's a different person. I get that. And he's a different quarterback and he's had different experiences, but you know, that shouldn't be, if they do that, like if your goal is Ryan Fitzpatrick and then that's your guy, like that's a problem. If you're doing that, you better already have like a solid guy in place to play quarterback. I'm not pairing Kellen Mond with Cam Newton. You're just spinning your wheels at that point. You had that last year with Cam Newton and Jared Stidham and you wouldn't play Stidham. So you're just, again, you're just spinning the wheels on that. I don't, I, I, I don't see it. I'll let you answer this one. Cause I okay, know like, so the, reason, like this one. the reason why I mentioned Kellen Mond and why I, I liked him as a, a mid round guy for them is because they for better or worse, they put a ton of emphasis on game. So experience. here's my question. Do you like him as a player or do you just like the odds? They draft him. I like the odds those are two different him. things. I like the odds. They draft him because he is, we've mentioned this before. You and I have mentioned how annoying it is that they like to take sec quarterbacks that we're not crazy about. And right. this, this Kellen Mon written Get ready for Bo Nix next year. Go ahead. Yeah, And Trey Lance is, a guy that does not check their measurables boxes. He's a one-year starter in the FCS of all things, not an FBS level program. And it just, if they drafted Trey Lance and I love Trey Lance as a prospect and I'm, I'm pointing out all these flaws, but I actually have him graded super high, but if they drafted Trey Lance, it would be completely outside of their box completely. He is not at all the type of quarterback that they have ever invested a heavy pick in or heavy amount of money in or anything like that. He's not Jimmy Garoppolo. He's not even Jacoby Brissett. He's a completely different style of quarterback than all of those guys. He's really the closest thing is maybe like cam, but Cam is Cam, you know, it's a, it's right. a really different type of conversation. And I'm telling you, I, I would love Trey Lance. I, I think he's a great player, but it is not the type of guy that they are going to go for in the first round. A guy that only has one year of experience in a low level of football is just not the Patriots way. It's not the way that they go about it in the draft at all. Yeah, I, I agree. And just to circle back on something, cause I, I just want to clarify what you said. So because again, there is a difference. So you 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 think there's a good chance they take Kellen Mond, but you wouldn't be a fan of that pick. I'm not a, a super high on it. I'd be definitely more excited about Kellen Mond than I was about Jared Stidham a few years ago. And I would too. But at the same time, we're still kind of banging our head against it's the just, wall okay. with the same sort of thing. Let's ask. Because I, I I just I feel like sometimes people they get super into the idea. Like this happened with um, Keenan Reynolds a couple of years ago, right? The the, yeah. the Navy quarterback where. A player seems like an obvious fit for the Patriots. So people talk themselves into loving the player just because they want to be right about say, and I'm not saying this is what you're right. doing, but just for, cause, cause I've fallen into this trap. I'm sure you've fallen into this trap. We've all fallen into this trap. A guy making sense for the Patriots and a guy being a good player aren't necessarily the same. They can be, there can right. be like Kadarius Tony makes a ton of sense for the Patriots is a good player. Boom. Kellen Mond makes a ton of sense for the Patriots. Wouldn't necessarily be the, the best pick. So just cause you think a guy is like, a prototypical Patriots draft pick. And I'm just, you being the general, just be careful yeah. because you don't like, don't talk yourself into a guy just because you want to be right and say, I knew they draft him. Like look for good football players. You can look for obvious picks too, 
And then when that guy gets taken by Miami or, you know, another organization where there's a Patriots disciple, I took victory laps when Josh McDaniels drafted Tim Tebow, for instance, like you can kind of do, uh, or, or when, um, uh, yeah, like that kind of thing. You can do your victory lap on that. Cause it's like, Oh, somebody from the Patriots system took them, but just be careful about, I, I would warn everybody when you're discussing the draft. Cause I see this start Twitter brawls all the time. I'm trying to be peacemaker here. Make sure you differentiate. I think they'll take him, and I think he's a good player because they're two different conversations. Okay, so, yes, we have never been in this situation. I understand that. I'm just telling you, I love Trey Lance. My thread is up on Trey Lance. You can all go watch it on my Twitter account. I think he's a, a great, talented player. Be completely outside of their box to go ahead and draft a guy like that from the FCS in the first round. Let's go with Go Geta's question here about how much do you think it would take to go up into the top 10? He mentions maybe putting pairing Gilmore and some other players maybe with picks to move up into the top 10. We've talked about this a little bit, but let's say the Patriots do fall in love with one of these quarterbacks at the top of the draft. Uh, what are you willing to give up or what do you think they will need to give up in order to get up there? So I don't think, so the guys you're talking about, they're like, they're not trading up. We're just going to rule out Lawrence and Fields. Like they're not trading up for those guys. Those guys are, are locked in one, two. Although a lot of mock drafts these days has Justin Fields. I know it's just for clicks and attention, I think, with a lot of these mocks. But if you listen to guys like Lance Zerline, Todd McShay, you know, there are some differing opinions. So, okay. So like, like, let's say this hypothetically, like when we say, say trade up, right. When people, when, when this question gets asked, I'm assuming the context is uh, Zach Wilson and Trey Lance, right? Yep. I'm personally not a fan of either for, for some of the reasons you named. I just, I, I don't. And I know Josh Allen just went off and had the season he had, whatever. I'm not a huge fan of small school quarterbacks. I think there's something to be said for a guy who played in the SEC, for a guy who played in the Big Ten, for a guy who's played in front of 100,000 people on national TV at 8 p.m. on a Saturday at that position. I don't view other positions that way. But when you're the quarterback and, you know, you have game day on campus all week talking to you and you know that pressure is there, like, that's different. You have to be built different to handle that. I'm not saying I wouldn't take a small school quarterback, but I put stock in that. So at that point, if I have to pay a ton to move up into the top 10 and get one of those guys, or I can take my chance at Mac Jones at 15 being just bit like average or above average. I'm going to do that. Now, if, if fields is in play, that's a different conversation. I'm willing to pay at that point. And you know what the reality is? I think what I think there's a reason that, that I'm not the one making the decisions and they are down at one Patriots place. If they believe Wilson or Lance, or if they can get to fields is their guy, there is nothing you can give up that's too much to get the guy that you believe is the guy, right? Nobody, yeah. the, the Chiefs gave up a ton to get that pick they talked Pat, they took Patrick Mahomes with. Nobody has ever questioned whether or not they gave right. up too much. They probably at the time did, based on what we knew. And Mahomes had a lot of question marks at the time. He answered them, but he had a lot of question marks at the time. That was a curious trade at the time. Nobody's talking about it now. So if if, if the Patriots really believe that, that Wilson's the guy or Lance is the guy, or if they can go up and get fields and believe he's the guy, then they, they should pay. They should, they should blank check, pay what it costs. At the same time, if they're not truly sold on any of those guys and want to take a quarterback in the first round, then you take Mac Jones. Don't burn assets on somebody you're not 100% sure in because if that guy isn't the answer, you're going to need those assets to go get his replacement. And then right. you don't have them. So that's why like, and I'm just using Mac Jones. It's not, and I do like Mac Jones, but it's not so much that I love Mac Jones at 15. It's that they're picking 15th and he'll probably be the best quarterback on the board. If they were picking 25th, I'd, I'd be talking, I'd be using Kyle Trask in this context. Right. Like you just, you don't sell the house. You don't, you don't go all in unless you have pocket aces. If you really believe one of those guys is the guy, spend whatever it takes. No price is too high. But even if you're you're not totally sure, if, if all three of them have enough question marks that you're, you you're you have to think about it, then don't make that trade. Then wait, take Mac Jones, sign somebody to one year deal, go back next year, try to get Phil Dracovic, try to get Spencer Rattler, whoever. If you think that 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 guy exists next year, 
Yeah, and I, the reason why I brought up Fields is, and listen, it, it's February 4th. We have a long, long way to go until we're picking in the first round in the draft. But a lot of teams, I'm telling you, a lot of teams are going to have Zach Wilson over Justin Fields in their on, on their board at quarterback. A lot of teams will. And Zach Wilson is, for a lot of reasons, is a much cleaner prospect than Justin Fields. He has more experience in game experience. He's a little bit more scheme versatile, I would say. You know, Justin Fields, you're going to have to put that guy in the spread off offense that has some college elements to it right you're not going to be able to run a, a ton of under center stuff you're not going to be able to run a wide zone bootleg action type of offense like your Kyle Shanahan with him necessarily I think you could do it certainly if you wanted him to but it's definitely not the best way to go about it so and- I, I would just say you know and, and again I probably phrased that poorly but the question was about the top 10 there's going to be at least yeah. three quarterbacks who go in the top five and th- those picks right. the Patriots don't have what it takes so the question is the so the question is is that we pr- proposed this earlier this week too if you flip Gilmore for an end of the first round pick and then you have 15 and let's just say 29 for argument's sake here, that could then you add in the third round pick in 2022, that's probably going to be enough to get you to somewhere around 8 or 9 or but something. I like I that. still don't think that's going to be enough to get any of the top 4 guys. I, it probably won't be. Maybe I think Trey Lance might still be on the board at that point in time. 80. I think Fields, Wilson, I, I think those guys are gone. But tr- what I, I'm just from what I'm hearing early on, and again, it's early. There's going to be teams that are going to pick Zach Wilson over Justin Fields. That that's just, you know, it's just a stylistic preference. In a and lot, that, of that's people. fair. That's fair. Yeah, okay. I'm just saying. Like, I'm I'm sorry. I'm pulling up the draft order here real quick because. You know, when we talk about getting into the top 10, I think you're talking about seven to 10 for the Patriots because Jacksonville that picks a quarterback. That's a lock. The second pick is a lock because it's either going to be the Jets or or it's going to be or it's going to be a Houston uh, team without Deshaun Watson. So I think that's a lock. Then you get to three. That is either, you know, that that's either Miami uh, who who that that's probably going to be that that could be a quarterback that could either be. Uh, you know, if Deshaun you know, Watson goes to Miami every year where we think like, oh, there's going to be three, four five quarterbacks taken in the top five. And there's always other guys, you know, the Penny Seawills of the world or whatever. Maybe one of the wide receivers sneaks in there. You know, there's always somebody else that gets drafted at that point. I, I just if there is a slot, if there is a slide. I think that the, Justin Fields has a chance of at least getting into the back end of the top 10. And maybe they can get into that conversation. Let's pull up some more questions, though. Yeah, do you want to get to the uh, – you want to talk some wide receivers? We've been doing, I feel like, quarterbacks for three straight it. shows. Should we do some wide receivers? There we go. Where did, that, where did that question go? I missed the question. I just know there was – it was Jumbo uh, or something? So uh, there is a question. There's a couple of different wide receiver questions. Um, let's go with uh, Sander Rubens is asking about Corey Davis and free agency. Uh, we can use this as a jumping off point. I've talked about Corey Davis a little bit um, in the past as sort of that to me, Corey Davis can be kind of like a souped up version of what Brandon LaFell brought to the Patriots in 2014 as that outside guy that can certainly win outside the numbers, use his size, run some good routes for you. I think Davis has a little bit of a higher ceiling and you would hope so given the money that you're going to hand out to him. But I don't mind Davis as a, as a fit here for New England. Yeah, I so I talked about this on one of the previous shows that as a put like like my plan at wide receiver, if I'm the Patriots, I'm not paying Allen Robinson twenty million. I'd rather go out and get like a fifteen million guy dollar guy and a five million dollar guy. Like get you need more than one piece, right? So I think Corey Davis, because he's probably gonna be what, like eleven, twelve million, somewhere in that range. Yeah, probably. Right. So I mean, you get him as the first half of that, and then you go out, you get like a seven, eight, nine million dollar receiver. Like suddenly you're putting a wide receiver core together, and that's what the Patriots need to do. So I think a guy like Corey Davis, who's going to be in that low to mid uh, double digits in terms of the contract, that's the kind of guy they need to look at, at least from a a a, a budgeting standpoint, a team building standpoint. You could speak more to the stylistic aspect than you just did, but as I'm kind of looking at, at asset management and where they need to go. Corey Davis is that perfect kind of upper mid tier, not top tier, upper mid tier wide receiver that they need to be very serious about, or I should say is one of the multiple uh, types of those wide receivers. Cause ideally you'd get like two Corey Davises and that would be, or maybe a Corey Davis and guy slightly, slightly above that, maybe like a Juju Smith, Smith Schuster kind of player, but that's where I'm looking. That's the route I'm looking for them to go in free agency. So yeah, for me, Corey Davis, um, 
in terms of asset management fits super well into the ideal plan of the offseason. I agree. I think that Corey Davis is that perfect tier two and a half, tier two, whatever you want to call him, wide receiver. It's not Allen Robinson. It's not the prize of free agency. It's not Kenny Galladay, but it's that sort of next wave of guys. And I think that he would be a really good fit here in their exposition because he's just a guy that runs a lot of the routes already that they ask out of that spot anyways. And it's not necessarily a position unless they have Randy Moss or Brandon Cooks running there that has been a super high volume position unless you demand the targets. So I think Corey Davis could do all that. A young blood, uh, I don't know if this is a question necessarily, but he brought up Pitts or Waddle. And I think that if you're sitting there at 15, the Patriots are not going quarterback and both Kyle Pitts and Jalen Waddle are on the board. This is maybe the hardest decision yeah. that you could possibly have to make in this year's draft. And uh, I, I can't, I go back and forth on this every single day. Yeah, I do too. I mean, it's kind of, you know, the question is, and we've talked about this off the air, there's going to be some need to be some retooling of the Patriots offense. I think last year they learned that they can't run the system they were running without Tom Brady. No quarterback can do it. Whether that's minor tweaks or a complete overhaul of the playbook, that's up to Josh McDaniels. There's really no way to know what the answer to that is going to be. There's pros and cons to each, right? We won't know until we see it. So I think some of that depends on what they want the offense to look like next year. Do yeah. they want to stay? Because the pro- part of the problem is they were running what's supposed to be a tight end, tight end heavy offense without a tight end. So right. if you want to kind of keep that flavor, that 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 little uh, that 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 little kind of niche to your offense with a tight end does have such importance, then I think Pitts is the no-brainer. If you want to kind of mold yourself into more of the modern offense, kind of like what the Chiefs run, what the Niners run, then it's Waddle. Uh, you have Waddle's injury concerns, so that's a negative on him. With Pitts, you really handcuff yourself at the tight end position. You would have four tight ends on rookie contracts. Ryan Izzo's deal you can maybe get out of, but. I mean, that's it for adding a tight end. You really can't spend any more resources there for the next three years. And as good as Pitts projects to be, that's a risk. So, you know, you can go back and forth, you know, it's not quite chicken or the egg, but you get what I'm saying. Like, it all comes down to philosophy at that point. What do you want your roster to look like? What do you want your offense to look like? What kind of quarterback are you planning on having? I don't think there's a wrong answer. I just think there's so much context needed to answer that question. And we don't have any of that context right now. So it's tough. Yeah, and I think the biggest question with Kyle Pitts is, are the Patriots going to buy into using him correctly? Because you have to use him like Travis Kelsey. Right, right. so that, that's the other like Rob Gronkowski. He can, he, I actually think that he has flashes where he does block decently well. He's not a great blocker by any means, but he has some flashes, but you're not going to use him in that capacity at the NFL level. So if you can buy into using him as a move piece, as a really a big jumbo slot receiver, essentially, and sometimes you can even flex him all the way way out and if you can get your offense into that groove then he is and for my money the bet the surest and best pass catcher in this draft just overall pass catching talent but Jalen Waddle and this is why I go back and forth on it so many times adds such a speed dynamic to this offense and I don't even know if Brandon Cooks necessarily did that for them because Cooks was a vertical threat, but right. you weren't handing the ball off to him. You weren't throwing swing passes to him at, you know, you weren't. Well, they tried. They <laughs> tried it and it didn't go well. Waddle's the type of guy like Tyree Kill, who is a three level burner. You can give it to him in the backfield. You can have him go on a little motion screen into the flat. You can have him run a crosser over the middle of the field, or you can have him run vertical routes in the third level of the defense, and he can stretch the field in all capacities. And if they had a guy like that, then even if they don't have a a huge upgrade at tight end and slot receiver, let's say they go into it next year and they have Jalen Waddle, maybe they grab a Johnny Smith or something like that at tight end, but not some prize tight end in the free agent market. And they have Jacoby Myers in the slot. The middle of the field is going to be much, much more available to you. If you have a guy like Jalen Waddle running around versus if you don't. And my fear with getting a guy like Kyle Pitts as great as a matchup weapon as he is, is you still don't have that, element of your offense of who is taking the top off who is stressing the defense horizontally on a speed plane who's doing that for you 
they're going to just still crowd the line of scrimmage, get up in people's faces. They'll put a guy over on, on Kyle Pitts' side of the field, and I still think it's going to be a slog of an offense. I think Jalen Waddle opens your offense up more. I think Kyle Pitts is a more natural fit into what they do, though. And I think they have had history because Gronk was both. Gronk was an inline blocker right. and a move tight end. So if you take the move tight end tree out of Rob Gronkowski's playbook and you give it to Kyle Pitts, then I think that they have had success with that type of play already whereas with Waddle they've never really had that type of guy you know that's no disrespect to Brandon Cooks Randy Moss is just his completely own cyborg edition of it nobody nobody's Randy Moss right so really they've never had a Jalen Waddle and I I think the other thing too to add because you you touched on this a little bit and then when I mentioned the asset management and the drafting three tight ends in two years everybody's comparing Pitts to Travis Kelsey Bill Belichick remember believes Travis Kelsey is a wide receiver when you yeah. ask him about Travis Kelsey, he refers to him as a wide receiver. He's not the only one. He does the same thing with Mike Gesicki too, right? Exactly. So, yeah. All does Bill does Bill think he's drafting Kyle Pitts as a tight end? I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots drafted Kyle Pitts. If all of a sudden, you know, we get to training camp and he's listed on the roster as a wide receiver. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that. The day that I think that they might like Pat Fryermuth a little bit more just for their style. I'm not saying they're going to draft Pat Fryermuth right. at 15 over Kyle Pitts, but they might wait until day two for Pat Fryermuth at the end or trade down or something like that and pass on, on Pitts or Pitts goes early and they don't have a chance of getting him. I, I could see because Fryermuth is that do it all, put your hand in the ground and block somebody or catch a ball. He is that all-around tight end. Oh, there, we did get a question uh, from. Well, just, just one more to tack yeah. on the end of that. For, well, first off, you can wait even more and get Miller Forstall from Alabama. But um, the flip side of that conversation, so you mentioned wait and get Fire Firemuth instead of Pitts. Yeah, is if you want to kind of flip it, you can wait on Waddle and get Kadarius Tony. So they right. both kind of have that equivalent. Yeah, Waddle is. It, it, this draft has three guys that I, I think can really stretch the field on a different level. It's like Waddle's like the tier A one guy. Yeah. Kadarius Tony is like kind of the tier two. And then Rondell Moore is like the tier three guy. Right. And, and, and you can kind of. Don't sleep on Jalen Darden. Jalen Darden's is like the early day three, late, yeah. early, late day two, early day three. I know, I know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm screwing with I don't know. I actually think Darden should be in the conversation too. I think he's going to be at the end of the, of the third round type of guy. So you finally, you wait, you finally watched him? I have watched him and nice. that guy can play. And I think that those three guys and, the Patriots will end up taking Rondell Moore, who's always hurt. And and they'll say <laughs> Rondell Moore in the third round is better value than Jalen Waddle yeah. in the first round. But I want to get to this question by Ryan Sullivan about the tight ends. Hunter okay. Henry, Jonu Smith, Zach Ertz, who are you taking? Oh, well, okay. So there's a, the weird variable there is what am I giving up to get Zach Ertz, right? Can I swap him for Gilmore one for one? That's been my dream trade the whole offseason. I've been saying that since I think October is that's the trade they should look to pull off. So, you know, if if that's it, I'm all in. If I'm trading the first round, if I have to give up the first round pick, then I'm probably looking more at, at Hunter Henry or John U. Smith. Hunter Henry, the injuries are certainly concerned, but knowing what, like that one's weird too, because normally you look at a guy who's hurt as much as him, and you say, no, thank you. But we now know that the Chargers medical staff is like a total mess. Yeah. It has been for years and is beyond anything we could have ever imagined. So, you know, we talk about a guy maybe becoming better with a new coat, with a new coach in place and in a new system. Is Hunter Henry going to be better just with a better medical staff? So it's a really interesting question. I, I, it's, I'm going to use the same cop out answer I used before. I, we don't have a lot of context. And I think some of it depends on what you want to do stylistically. Yeah. If you're not, like, if, if that's your big, if you're fine with your big money offseason pass catcher being a tight end and you don't want to go out and spend 10 to 12 million on a wide receiver, then I think Henry makes a ton of sense. If you want a guy like a Juju Smith-Schuster, like a Corey Davis, then you probably have to do Jonu Smith. And again, what are you trading for Zach Ertz? That to me is, you know, I'd love him. I think he's a good player. I think he's a fantastic fit here. But just to say, yeah, I'd rather have him than Hunter Henry. I mean, and I don't know who whoever asked that question. If you want to come back in and give me like hypothetically, am I trading the pick? Am I trading Gilmore? Am I trading JC Jackson? Whatever, like that's then then I, that that conversation evolves a little bit more for me. Yeah, I think John o. Smith is a great fit for them. He's a little bit undersized from what they would typically want in an inline tight end, but if they want him 
if they want to use them properly as an inline slash like H back type, like the Titans have used them all over the formation. They put them in the backfield. Some they've done a bunch of different things with him. If you want him to come in here and I, I, you know, we always bring up this name and we hate to bring up the name, but if you want to use them like they use Hernandez and you want to move them around the formation, get him some matchups in different spots and things like that. then I think he can be effective. If you want him to be Gronk and just run up the seam, then he's the wrong guy for that. Right. You know, he's not right. that type and, of player. Then you got to pay Hunter Henry. But I, I like John Smith value a little bit better because I don't think he's going to cost you as much. All right. We really appreciate all the questions. You can come back next Thursday and we're going to do it all over again with more questions. We're going to say goodbye to our YouTube audience right now. Alex and I are going to continue on and we're going to talk about the Super Bowl, some prop bets um, and the Super Bowl lines as well. So goodbye to our YouTube audience. Hello to people that are listening elsewhere. And if you want to continue listening to us from the YouTube audience, then this pod will be up on the uh, Patriots Beat feed and you can go and find it there. But before we do that, I need to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. The Super Bowl is here and you can get in on all the action at Bet Online. Tampa Bay, the first team in history to play for the title on their home field, is currently a three point underdog against Kansas City looking for back-to-back titles for the first time in almost two decades. It's the GOAT against the next in line. Bet Online has hundreds of props on the game, including game MVP, margin of victory, and even the length of the national anthem. Always available online on your mobile device. Visit Bet Online today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts, and you can use the promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That is CLNS50 to receive a 50% Welcome deposit. Okay, Alex, we didn't pick the game necessarily on th- uh, Tuesday's show. We're going to do that here in a second, but I wanted to start with Super Bowl MVP because this is a really interesting one. Patrick Mahomes is favored right now. Tom Brady, he is the second best odds, but there are some odds there that I like if you want to get into some value of long shots, not necessarily complete long shots, but guys that are not the quarterbacks that could win MVP. Is there anything that you like here? No. It's going to be a quarterback. It's Mahomes and Brady. The Super Bowl MVP is going to be a quarterback. I people, it's weird. People talk about this. Oh, that's great value. Like when they're betting, that's great value. Well, if it's not going to happen, it doesn't matter how good that. That's why the odds look so good because Vegas knows it's not going to happen, and they want to take your money when you think something is good value. That's Vegas trying to rip you off. That should be an, an alarm should go off there. So no, there isn't. I, I, it's, it's Brady or Mahomes. Pick whichever quarterback is the quarterback of the team you think is going to win the game. That's where I'd go with it. So it's right now it's Patrick Mahomes minus 125. Tom Brady is plus 225. Travis Kelsey is plus 1,000. The name that I really like is at plus 1,200, Tyreek Hill. Yeah, if I had to go with one, that'd probably be So 13 catches for 269 yards and three TDs in that game against the Bucs in week 12. And I look at this game on paper, and we've talked about this a little bit. The safeties of Tampa Bay, they're a little banged up. Carlton Davis is kind of their number one corner, and he's not necessarily a burner he's not Jonathan Jones out there right you know this is a much slower guy than somebody like that they don't have a good matchup for Tyreek Hill now maybe they can go out there and they can double Hill out of the game and they'll live with the yards from Kelsey and Hardman and Watkins and the rest of the cast but I think Tyreek Hill could have a really big game again because there's just not a lot of speed in that secondary in Tampa Bay that can really keep up with them. And if Antoine Winfield Jr. on top of this is a little bit banged up, then I don't know who they have coming over the top. Maybe a, you know, Whitehead, I think, is a solid player. But Tyreek Hill, I think, at plus 1,200 is by far the best bet here if you don't want to just go with one of the favorites like Brady or Mahomes. Do they have um, Harrison Butker's odds on there? They do not have Harrison Butker. Okay, so there we go. So there, there's your real value pick. Because what, <laughs> right. what is, what is that? They, uh, uh, what's the line from How I Met Your Mother? If anybody ever gives you ten thousand to one odds, you take them. It doesn't matter what it is. Put a dollar on Harrison Butker. Treat yourself to dinner for a year. There you go. Okay, well, plus twelve hundred is pretty good too. If Tyra Kill hits on, yeah, that no, one. those are. Those, I'm actually surprised that I would have put him. If I'm making those odds, you said so Kelsey's third. Yeah, I would have put like him after the quarterbacks. Well. I would have yeah. put him ahead of Kelsey too. Yeah. yeah that might that might be what it is now. I haven't checked the latest, latest update. Maybe the money has come in hard on Tyree Kill and has put him above T- Travis Kelsey at this point. The over-under in the game is 56 points. I think this is a really interesting number because I, I think they're going over, and I think they're going over by a lot. Yeah, I think so too. My when we were talking about the game last week, I said it's gonna look like a big 12 game. It's going to be seven nothing after the first quarter, and both teams will score in the forties. So you know what? A, a te- the Chiefs might single handedly. If Tampa's defense is really banged up, and the Chiefs really want to put on a show, 
they could score 56 points in this game. Yeah. They'll flirt with it. I think they'll flirt with it. I don't think they get the burger. I don't, but they can score in the mid forties. I think pretty easily in this game. Well, I think if the if I think Vegas is going to be pissed if they get fifty all on their own with the with the over under being fifty six. I was pretty surprised that it was that low because these are two teams yeah. that could definitely put up points in a hurry. And Kansas City, especially, maybe start a little bit slow, but Brady starts a little bit slow usually in the Super Bowl as well. And I see this second half being like both teams putting up thirty points in the second half and, and really turning into a shootout, similar to what we saw in the AFC Championship game in two thousand eighteen when. Brady and, and Mahomes went up against each other. That game really opened up in the fourth quarter. I think this game could face a similar kind of path. Uh, some of the fun ones, if you want to go in that direction, uh, Bill Belichick mentioned on the broadcast over under one time. I can't believe it's only one oh, time. Hammer the over. Hey, I, Tony Romo is going to mention more than one time in the opening. But let alone. So the, the only theory I heard is that CBS wasn't pleased when Romo kind of made that that random quip at the end of the AFC Championship game, right, about the Patriots will be back here next year. This is just yeah. like an internet rumor. I don't know if there's any truth to this. There probably isn't. But apparently, like, CBS wasn't pleased that he did that. And the rumor is that that's going to turn into them kind of clamping down the amount of Patriots talk during the Super Bowl. So that's, I guess, where – but he has to be mentioned once because when he takes the field – here comes quarterback Tom Brady playing in his first Super Bowl without Bill Belichick and the Patriots. That's one. All you need is one more at that point. So it's That's one or one and a half. It's it's one right now. Oh, so you might get a put. At the very least, you get a push and you get your money back. So that's, I mean, that's easy. Yeah, I think that's easy money as well. And the other fun one that I like, and I know you're not going to care about this one at all, but I love this bet. And it is the color of the weekend's jacket. And I know you're going to look at me like I'm yeah, crazy I right now. Okay. But Alex, I'll, I'll bring you in on this on this way. All right. Do you remember the last time the Super Bowl was played in Tampa Bay? Uh, ooh. Was it a Patriot? It wasn't a Patriots one. It wasn't a Patriots one. It was a Patriots nemesis in the Super Bowl the last time it was played. In was, it, was it the Colts? Uh, Colts Bears? Colts Bears. Okay. Okay, Colts Bears. You remember who was the halftime show at Colts Bears? Oh, um, that was would have been what oh nine. It was oh oh six. Oh oh right. Oh nine was was Colts Saints. So it wouldn't have. It wasn't Bruce. Was it? Was it Prince? It was Prince. It was, oh, I see where you're going with this. Okay. Where so, is what is Prince's favorite song or biggest song? Purple, Purple Rain, and it's going to be a purple to honor Prince. There is the go. weekend from Minnesota or something? Or is he that is not? Random? But he is like, you know, kind of a rap R&B pop mismatch thing. I think he's got a little bit of uh, of Prince love in him. You know, I feel like he's he's been well, he's from Toronto. That's near Minnesota, relatively. Yeah, yeah he's from Canada. Uh, and that's re OK. Relatively to Minnesota, purple right now, the jacket color of Prince is the long shot at plus 500. Oh. And I had uh, Dave Mason uh, from Bet Online, the sportsbook brand manager there, on, and I think I blew his mind with this take. And he was like, "Wait a second, how did we not realize this?" Right? So it's an ode to Prince, Purple Rain. Prince also wore a purple jacket in the halftime show back in '06. And by the and, way, and it rained. It rain. it yes, that's what I was going to say. It rain on Sunday, so those are me connecting all the dots to the weekend who is going to hear this podcast and say wow evan that is a great idea i'm putting on the purple jacket let's pick the game last but not least Wait, can i get my favorite color one sure what's Gatorade your color you got to talk about the oh, Gatorade, oh, that's like okay, the sorry, prop sorry. Bed. sorry go ahead what what, what, what well, do, you, do you have the odds i'm trying to pull up the odds real quick here yes i do have the odds so i, I believe that it is um orange is the favorite right now but uh there are some nice long shot ones here I like as well here it is so orange is plus 100 red and pink is plus 300 yellow green lime is plus 450 and clear is plus 600 and blue is plus 700 and purple is once again plus 750 is long shot so here here's how i'm going to break this down and again this is kind of like my mvp pick is who do you think is going to win the game if you think it's going to be the chiefs last year the gatorade bath was yellow for andy reed I can't imagine that they're going to change flavors having just won a Super Bowl, right? I think you got to stick with that. So if you're picking the Chiefs to go yellow, Bucks is a little more tricky. 
But Brady always drinks that clear Gatorade, right? We see. That's and I would true. imagine Tom Brady's basically coaching that team. I would he, He's basically the GM of the team as well. I would imagine he gets to choose the flavor of Gatorade. So I would go clear or if there's like gray or whatever the equivalent of that. I think there was a clear one you said, right? Yeah, clear plus 600. So I, I would go clear if you're if you're picking the Bucks to win there because I'm going to guess Tom Brady's micromanaging down to the point where he's picking the Gatorade in Tampa. So I said in a video with Mariah Jonas on our YouTube channel that I was going to take blue at plus 700 because I like the value. And I also like blue Gatorade the best out of all the Gatorades. So I went with my own Homer pick there and picked blue, but you kind of just convinced me into clear a little bit there because if, if Brady is running the sideline, which I'm sure that he is, then clear is definitely what is in their Gatorades and they're drinking that Brady uh, electrolyte concoction that he's got going on that actually isn't it's water and straight electrolytes and he takes all the sugar out of the Gatorade and he doesn't drink any of the sugar. So it's just electrolytes and water. And that's how it gets that murky gray, clear kind of picture uh, kind of consistency. So I like clear at plus 602. That was a really good point. Now can we, can we pick the game now? Yes, let's pick the game. So it's minus three for Kansas city. I was really surprised that that's all that Kansas city is favored by in this game, but who are you taking? Are you taking the points or are you just taking them straight up? Um, I, I, I'm so I, I did this when I was on um, sports map radio on Monday. I don't know if you can bet a push, but I'm taking the chiefs to win by three points. I'm taking the push because the, the better quarterback almost always wins this game. Patrick Mahomes right now is the better quarterback. I, but Tom Brady's going to do something great at the end. I just think either that defense blows it or Arians blows it or Ryan Jensen blows it. Like he doesn't, you know, 28-3 doesn't happen if it's just Tom Brady, right? That 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 right. was Belichick too. The Super Bowl against the Rams, those late adjustments were Josh McDaniels. Uh, you know, the Seahawks, Malcolm Go, Brady's on the sideline. Like, that's not to say, and I don't want to sound like one of those people who discounts all of Brady's rings and people are like, well, you have the tuck rule, and then you have Vinatieri, and then you have me and me. No, like Brady won all his rings fair and square, but it wasn't just him. It was a team effort. Shout out Darius Butler, who gave us the most reasonable take on the Brady Belichick debate this morning. He doesn't have that little bit that's going to put him over the top. Instead, he has Bruce Aarons, who's going to screw it up. I think it's really close. Again, I don't know if I don't gamble a ton, so I don't know if you can technically bet a push. You should be able to with crazy odds, but I'm going to take the Chiefs to push. I'm going to take the Chiefs straight up by three. So I, I misspoke about the Colts Bears Super Bowl being in Tampa. It was actually in Miami, but it's right across. Oh, the, it's right boo. across the bay. So when was the right? last one in Tampa then? So I, I have to go back and look that one up. But so, they're both in South Florida. All right, it's 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 the same vibe. So I'm still sticking. Oh, with no, my Tampa Bay and Miami, Evan, are completely different cities. You you you, you go clubbing in Miami. You go clubbing in Miami, and then you go to the Applebee's in Tampa Bay with Bruce Arians, and you tell me which city is more exciting. Okay. Well, you know if you're going to Tampa. Bay that you're not going to Applebee's. All right. I I, I think you're, you're do they have it's, I, I would figure that that's fine dining in a city such as Tampa Bay. I have family that lives in Tampa, okay? So you can come in, and I get ripped for my Tampa hate all the time. It is a transplant city with zero character. Tom Brady is the character of that city now, okay? So wow. let's let's not pretend Miami, you're the one who talks about how much you love South Beach all the time, and you're gonna say Tampa and Miami are the same city. Okay, well, they're both here. South Florida. I misspoke, but I'm still taking the weekend's purple jacket in honor of Prince. I still like the take, but I want to pick the game. And, uh, you know, everything tells me to pick the Kansas City Chiefs on paper. I think that they have a mismatch in this game against Tampa Bay, but Tampa Bay has Tom Brady. Right. And that's the only thing, the only thing that makes me think that Tampa Bay is going to give this a game is the fact that they have Tom Brady. It's just not enough for me. I, you've been riding the Bruce Arians train all, all season long that he's going to screw this up eventually. Maybe he finally screws it up in the last game of the year for uh, in the Super Bowl. I, I just, the reason why I'm taking the Chiefs and I'm taking them minus three, give me all of it is. On offense, I think Kansas City is a very big mismatch for this Tampa Bay defense. The things that Tampa Bay likes to do defensively, they like to pressure the quarterback. They like to blitz. Todd Bowles is a notorious come-after-the-QB type of defensive coordinator. You can't do that against Patrick Mahomes. If you blitz Patrick Mahomes, him and Tyreek Hill will absolutely shred you, and Tyreek Hill will win Super Bowl MVP because he'll have four touchdowns, right? And if you do all that, 
all the typical bull stuff. They're going to lose this game. On the other side of the football, Steve Spagnola going up against Brady, knows what to do against Tom, knows how to confuse the offensive line and the protections to get pressure on Brady and force him to throw the football more than he want, uh, earlier than he wants to and rattle him a little bit. Everything points to Kansas City in this game except number 12. I'm still sticking with the Chiefs. If the Chiefs had any other quarterback on the planet, then maybe right. I could talk myself into picking Tom. But because they have Patrick Mahomes, I think it's just too much of a mismatch plus the Mahomes factor. The only thing that really favors Tampa in this game is their defensive line against the banged-up Chiefs offensive line. But when you have a cheat code like Patrick Mahomes back there, does it really matter at the end of the day that it's going to be a huge mismatch? When you have a, a, a statue in the pocket, maybe it matters. But a guy like that that can backpedal 15 yards and still throw the ball down the field or is a magician that's getting out of pressure, it doesn't matter quite as much. So I'm taking the Chiefs. I think they're going to win this game. I think they're going to actually win it pretty easily and i i think that that's going to be uh, an interesting development for the kansas city chiefs because i don't know if a lot of people thought that this was going to be a team that was going to a lot of patriots fans love the narrative that the chiefs are only going to win once maybe twice and then flame out right and i i don't know well, that could still be true even if they win this year they could win two in a row and then disappear that's true, but I don't know if we're getting that with Kansas City. I think this team, as long as Patrick Mahomes is upright and not not injured or anything like that, is going to be a perennial Super Bowl favorite. But I guess on Tuesday, when we do our Tuesday show, we can uh, be wrong about all of this if we are. But uh, I think both of us just took Kansas City in the game. Uh, both of us like the Tyree Kill pick for a long shot Super Bowl MVP, although you said Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady will win it. And uh, that's all that we got for today. Well, wait, wait, real oh. quick. Oh. Last Super Bowl played in Tampa was the last time before Julian Edelman, a wide receiver, won MVP. It also is the second longest play in Super Bowl history. The last time the Super Bowl was played in Tampa. Yep. Was it the Steelers Cardinals? Yes, yes, it was. There you go. San Antonio Holmes. Yes, exactly. So maybe I don't know. I still like my Prince the weekend angle, although I'm. A little I mean, the whole premise of it is thrown out the window now. But go for it. I, I'm a little disappointed that the dots didn't connect as nicely as I thought. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> this is well, yeah, he's still from Canada, which is close to Minnesota. So there you it's, go. it's in the ballpark, right? it's nowhere close it's like it's like six hours by car oh, wait who's oh and that but that halftime show i think was bruce springsteen right it was yes the the actual last one in tampa was bruce springsteen. Okay, the weekend is not throwing out any shit any any like love for bruce springsteen let's be honest those are like no, i can't imagine he does yeah <laughs> Okay, well, we'll be back on Tuesday on the podcast. We'll be back with another Q&A next Thursday as well. But until then, signing off for Alex Barth, I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for listening, everybody.